This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Total Saints Podcast. Yes, we're back again to pick the bones out of the last seven days in and around Southampton Football Club. We're equals myself, Ben Stanfield, Steve Grant, the owner of Saints Web, Glenda Lacour, the owner of League1-10.blogspot.com, and Lucy Heinert, that's definitely Heinert, not Hignett. Glenn, before we get going, obviously we've got a lot to talk about, uh, but I thought I'd quickly get you uh, to give us the best part of your last seven days, because it always sounds pretty uh, entertaining and hectic. Best part of my week was nothing to do with Southampton Football Club, obviously, because um, yeah. that was dreadful. Um, after I got home yesterday, I managed to watch the rugby without knowing the score. Oh, so, right. so that was good, and even though that was a bit squeaky, England eventually got over the line. So that was uh, that was nice, uh, and that's been about it, really, as far as highlights are concerned. Yeah, fair enough. All right, and uh, Lucy, from your point of view, obviously we mentioned last week uh, Mr. Heinert being a Newcastle fan. So, are you still talking to Tom today or not? Yeah, just about yesterday. It wasn't very nice. Um, I may have over-celebrated when we got the penalty save, oh, uh, which meant... I, I see where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a bit awkward at the end, um, and there was a lot of celebrating on Tom's part. So, yeah, uh, yeah no, I probably made a rod for mine back on that one, so I'll just, A valuable uh, lesson learned, but yeah, uh, yeah. there we go. And uh, Steve, moving away from Saints just briefly then, of course, the uh, England 2020-21 Nations League draw was made earlier in this week. Um, Belgium, Iceland and Denmark. So I can imagine you're quite excited about uh, an autumn in Brussels, Copenhagen and Reykjavik, are you? Uh, yeah, delighted with that draw. Um, mm. Belgium and Iceland are two countries I've not seen football in before. Right. Um, I mean, Belgium, I've li- I've had like literally a day there for a work trip, and that's that's it. Um, which is quite surprising for a country that's so so close. But England, um, we haven't played a game there for God knows how long. Well, it'll be since the Euros in 2000. Which I mean, the less said about that tournament, the better. 
Um, that'll be an interesting trip. Quite a difficult game. Reykjavik will be um, be good fun, I think. Yeah. Um, albeit hideously expensive. I mean, that's. I mean, they've really done a service to all the travelling fans by putting um, Iceland and Denmark away as a double header. Um, in the space of four days, it's like, oh yeah, cheers, lads. Um, although, I mean, on, on the flip side, I suppose you get all the get all the expenditure out of the way right up front, and then um, uh, sort of in the month building up to Christmas, it's not quite not quite so bad. But um, no, looking forward to that. Should yeah. be good. No, good stuff. Well, obviously, we'll hope that coronavirus is well out of the way by then. But uh, before that, there's a 2019-20 Premier League season to finish, and that means more Saints games to, I say, enjoy. Well, I was going to say, I've written down here, enjoy reflecting on. I'm not sure that I say enjoy. But uh, yeah, in this week's pod, we'll start that reflection with the home game against Newcastle United this past weekend, which finished nil flipping one. We also like to use TSB to predict the future, so we'll preview the next Premier League fixture for Saints away to Norwich and provide a sample of ill-thought-out match predictions Maybe that's just me. Anyway, sandwiched in the middle of this week's pod is some of the outtakes I've gathered over the past months since our last batch in November. This time around, it includes Americans, people from Norwich, which is handy on a pod which includes a Norwich preview in it, and Jay Rodriguez. As well as that, we're going to have a brief chat around the rumours that Jishin Gao has put Saints up for sale. Before we get going, I'm delighted to say that we've had a new patron uh, come through this weekend. James Parsons is actually one of our long-term uh, listeners and I know was involved in uh, part of the preview we did before Ralph joined us uh, James lives in Leipzig and I know he's looking forward to going to the Leipzig versus Spurs game uh, on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday uh, this coming week. Thanks very much for joining up as a patron, James. Right, let's get on with the pod in partnership with saintsworld.co.uk and saintsarchive.com and sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. This is TSP 105. Okay, it's March. What happy hot tub offer can we come up with for our lucky customers this month? Well, we could do nothing for a change. I like it. I think we do so many deals. Nothing. No deposit, no interest, nothing. No, no, I mean... It's perfect. All through March, you can buy any hot tub from Happy Hot Tubs with no deposit and three years interest-free finance. You deserve happy at happyhottubs.co.uk Excludes free throw range. See website for details. Steve Bruce, Newcastle United were the latest visitors to Fortress... St Mary's. Saints continue their poor run of recent form, losing by a single goal to nil. Ings and Gineppo returning, Valerie at right back instead of JWP or KWP, depending on how you're looking at it. Glenn, there's lots of incidents to talk about that we will come to, but overall, what was your thoughts? Um, It was shocking. The game was kind of ruined by the red card, as far Mm. as we're concerned. We are not one of these teams that plays well. Um, when we're down to 10 men. I think uh, the last time we had one sent off this early, we, of course, lost by rather a large margin. Um, That was never going to happen against Newcastle because they are dreadful. Um, But, you know, the the red card really did for us. Um, I I felt in the second half we should have done a lot more than what we did um, with regards to going forward. You know, we we kept the two lines of four. Ings and Buffal didn't really get forward to support and... um, uh, support Shane Long and Shane Long is is very unlikely to do anything on his own. He had yeah one decent chance that he created himself, but we didn't do enough for me to um to try and win that game. I f- felt we could have committed more forward, uh, bearing in mind how poor Newcastle are. Mm. Um, and they of course needed the horrific mistake um to uh to to pinch the goal, but uh, which was harsh on harsh on everybody, but particularly on Alex McCarthy, who as I'm sure we'll get on to was uh, was absolutely brilliant yesterday. And uh, it's just a uh, it's just a shame that, um, you know, the, the red card did for us. But uh, having looked at the, the red card at the time, I didn't think it was that bad. And when they flashed it up on the big screen, it, um, it didn't look that bad, which caused 
a lot of consternation in the mm. crowd. But having seen it afterwards, yeah, you can see why he was sent off. Um, I have more of an issue with the, the penalty decision um, against Buffal because, yes, it hit his arm, but there was a foul by St. Maximan before that. There was a goal that was it Man United had chalked off against them where there was a there was a foul before the actual incident that caused the goal to be disallowed. It, it was ridiculous. Mm. I don't see why that was a penalty. And uh, Mr. Scott and the VAR goons didn't do themselves any favours with that one. But uh, yeah, again, it, it's a horrible defeat and it leaves things looking a little bit squeaky if we don't pick up something in our next couple of games. Yeah, indeed. Um, look, we'll come on to talk about the red card and the penalty in a minute, Lucy. But as Glenn alluded to there, um, we spoke a little bit after the West Ham game about Alex McCarthy's performance. You know, he has been fairly consistent. It was a bad day at the office up at uh, the London Stadium. Completely the opposite, particularly in the first half of this game. I mean, it was pretty much, I think, as Adam Blackmore said, Alex McCarthy nil Newcastle nil at half time. A brilliant, <laughs> a brilliant performance from him, including a, a wonderful triple save. And that was even before we got to the penalty. Yeah, I think it's probably one of those games when you reflect on the goalkeeper's performance and you think we probably didn't deserve to win just because he was it was match. kind of a freak yeah. of nature that he was he even gave us that opportunity I think um in the first half I have to say there was a huge amount of criticism for him last week mm. um I mean not without foundation but I felt some of it was a bit over the top and I think to respond as he had yesterday was ridiculous, really. Um, you often see those kinds of issues really kind of undermine a keeper's confidence. But he, he came out with a frankly ridiculous performance, which kept us in the game. I think there was an argument that we could have been two or three down at half time. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, and I completely over over celebrated that uh, save. So, yeah, I, I can't say anything other than, you know, what a way to bounce back. And yeah. Um, to eliminate all those kinds of theories about changing goalkeeper again, which I, I just can't see has any kind of use for us, really, given how many issues Gunn has also had. So, um, yeah, it's really, really good news in a kind of otherwise bleak performance, really. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, Steve, look, moving on to the key decision, probably of the first half, around uh, Muta Gineppo. Um Graham Scott, obviously, the referee overturning his yellow card, having uh, reviewed the VAR screen, um, probably with some advice coming into his ear from Stockley Park as well. I tend to agree with Glenn. I think having seen it numerous times, I don't think there was necessarily any intent there, but it was definitely a high tackle. And I always feel ironic in these sort of situations. You think back to like Callum Wilson earlier in the season when the, uh, I think it was Tillman's went in pretty much the same. There wasn't even a, a yellow card issued for that one yet. You know, we've had a player sent off, but I think probably overall, once all was done and dusted, it was the right decision, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think at the time, sort of in real time, it looked pretty innocuous. Clearly, there was no intent from Gineppo, but mm. ultimately, in, in the laws of the game, intent is irrelevant. Mm. It's whether you endanger the safety of an opponent and leaving your studs on um, on the player's shin sort of halfway up. Unfortunately, I don't think the VAR has got any alternative, really, other than to, to recommend the referee upgrade upgrades his decision. Yeah. I mean, as soon as he walks over to the, to the monitor, you know that that's what's coming. Mm. Because yeah. the only time that the referee ever goes over to the monitor is when he's been told, oh, there's probably a red card. Yeah. I want you to look at it and give it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it, that the two biggest decisions of the, of the afternoon were both given by the video ref. Mm. Um, Graham Scott got them both completely wrong. Yep. Um, I mean, the penalty, I, I do agree that there's a bit of a shove sort of in the build-up to it. I mean, quite what Buffal's doing, sticking his arm out like that in that position anyway, I've got no idea. But, mm. um, yeah, I mean, 
if the referee had seen the shove, he'd have given it before the handball and then it would have been all completely irrelevant. Yeah. Um, but from the perspective of the foul, I mean, I, I, I don't see how there's how there's any argument. And I've seen I mean, like the, rea- the reaction from people in the ground. Mm. Um, everyone's obviously angry and shocked when the decision first comes. It's like, OK, fine. That that's an understandable reaction, because all you've seen is obviously the real time thing where it didn't look like didn't look like a huge amount. Yeah. And then the replay comes up on the screen and they show it in slow motion. And they show it from behind Gineppo, sort of looking directly at Isaac Hayden's shin. And you can see that he clearly plants his studs into his shin. Yeah. Now, how can, how can anybody now turn around and say that's still an absolutely outrageous decision? Mm. It's just baffling that, um, I mean, VAR's got enough critics and troubles of its own without people kind of just taking an argument for the sake of taking one side of an argument, even when they're clearly wrong. I suppose the, the sort of challenging thing with this, Glenn, is that in the old days, you know, we want technology to help and it probably was the right decision, but ultimately in the old days, that would have been a yellow card. You know, there would have been no repercussions afterwards because the referee would have given the yellow card. We wouldn't have lost Gineppo for three games. So it is kind of peaks and troughs with all this. Uh, yes, it is. Um, and it's, it's just something we've, we've got to accept. Um, you know, I can, I can accept this one because, totally, yeah. uh, you know, I think I'd card. have been irritated as a Newcastle fan if that hadn't been given you know what i mean 100 like, percent, especially with technology yeah. now yeah. yeah 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 what what bothers me about it slightly though is that we've had a few recently with var where we feel like the referees made the wrong decision or not made a decision and mm. then they've gone to var and they've just backed up the referee mm. and it's just it's just funny that yesterday we had we had two where basically var has said no referee you're wrong mm. um please change your decision um and we haven't had any of that i'm thinking back to the, the handball shouts and, well the ben me one i mean that was uh, more of a penalty than yesterday so absolutely. i guess it you yeah. know, depends who's at the other end on yeah. new day as well it depends who's yeah. the other referee probably we, at stockley park yeah. doesn't it We've had three handballs that I feel should have been given, two mm. against Spurs and one against uh, Burnley. Mm. You know, defender handballs. You know, we all know the rules are totally, you know, obscured these days. No one really yeah. knows what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, when we get the one given against Buffal yesterday. And uh, as I said, I think there's a there's a mitigating factor in that St. Maximum seems to grab his other arm. But but, yeah. but there you go. We have to accept it. Um, it is difficult. I mean, Matt Letizia's argument is that it is progress because the right decision is being reached more mm. often than not. And mm. as long as that is the case, then fine. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we can always, we can always look back to when the rules changed at various times and, you know, and said, well, 20 years ago, that wouldn't have been offside because the rule was different. <laughs> I mean, who, yeah. who cares? At the end of the day, these are the rules now. Everyone knows it. Mm. Um, and I, I don't have a problem with, um, Gineppo being sent off having seen it back. Yeah. Just on the the penalty then, Lucy, is, um, we kind of alluded to there. I mean, there was obviously the foul. It sort of almost looked like Sam Maxim pulled Buffel's right arm as well. I mean, again, you know, I'm not quite sure he was trying to take it down on his shoulder, but we spoke about McCarthy. I mean, obviously, it's always good to see escape miss a penalty, um, but it was a wonderful save because it was so low down. Yeah, brilliant. I, I can't actually add a lot more. Um, it, it was a brilliant, brilliant save and... You know, when you are 10 men, you do need those kinds of things to go for you. Mm. Um, I do have to say on the penalty, I know lots of people have said he was fouled before it happened. I just think to go with your shoulder like that is mm. just asking. Ask I think trouble, it's just yeah. naive. Yeah. I think it's just really naive. And I don't think Buffal had a good performance at all. Um, and in, in a game when you're up against it like that, I just think he is. he can be a liability, quite frankly. Mm. As much as people might say there were mitigating circumstances as to why he ended up handballing it, yeah. um, I just think 
the whole his whole approach to that bouncing ball was just terrible, really. Yeah, I had a uh, message from a former. Daily Echo chief sports writer that may or may not have been at the game yesterday to say that his uh, performance B-Fails was uh, not great and uh, reminded me that I said at the start of the season that I thought Haas and Hootal could turn him around so uh, there we go um, but moving yes. on yes um, <laughs> I thought the same though. <laughs> <laughs> um, Glenn I mean obviously somehow it reaches nil-nil at the break then and you know that sort of first 30 minutes of the second half before the goal maybe came along I mean Saints actually did a, a pretty good job Ralph had obviously got them reorganised with the 10 men Newcastle didn't create loads of chances and I know we all saw your tweet at half time saying that you know Saints were going to effing win or whatever it did feel like one of those <laughs> days didn't it but you know for that first half an hour before the Valerie mistake they actually did okay in the second half yeah we did in a restricting Newcastle kind of way mm. um, as I said earlier I don't think we quite we didn't ask them enough questions um, I think we could have committed slightly more players forward um, you would hope in the formation that we had in the second half that Ings from the left and Buffar from the right could have got up to support long a little bit but to be fair to them and I'll, I will back up Buffal on this he was quite disciplined in maintaining the you know the four across the middle shape yep. he didn't do a lot when the ball went anywhere near him um, he didn't really give Valerie much help at all no. but he was at least there but that meant that there was no one you know breaking forward to support Shane Long and uh, yeah but for, for half an hour we looked fine and um, we made the substitution and it just seemed like we switched off. Mm. Um, it was, I mean, it's nothing to do with the player coming up. You know, it's not the player's fault who came on, but it, it's, we, we just seemed to doze off because it was literally seconds after the, after Shane Long had gone off mm. that the ball got played across and, um, Valerie did what he did. And it's just a shame. But for half, yeah, for half an hour, we looked like we'd, um, we'd quite comfortably see out nil nil because yeah. of Newcastle's, um, uh, lack of ability in the uh, in the front third. They got desperate, didn't they? I mean, you you could tell that they'd basically run out of ideas. Yeah. Um, because you had Jamal Lassell, centre back, taking a pot shot from 35, 40 yards, yeah. and blazing it into in the row um, in the row Z. And it's like, well, well, this is this is okay as long as long as we don't um, give them something, then we're we're okay in, and holding on for a nil nil here. And of course, the as long as we don't give them something. Um, came to pass because we then gave them something. <laughs> yeah, 439 minutes, I think, after they scored their last Premier League goal, Steve. Uh, look, I know everyone's going to jump on Valerie's back. Of course, he's not been in the side much. Um, you know, it was his first game back. Of course, it was an error. But as a youngster, you know, we surely have to appreciate that players are going to make mistakes. And it's about how he recovers from that rather than grilling him like we tend to with players. Um, it is. But, I mean, it's not as if he's completely inexperienced. He's now got what? 30-odd, 40 maybe Premier League games under mm. his belt. Yep. So it's not as if we're talking about a guy who's played like five or six games. I mean, yes, he's obviously been out for a significant period of time. I mean, how much of that is um, a combination of performances and off-field issues? I mean, there are various rumours of, of why he's been nowhere to be seen for the past five months, as well as obviously the fact that his last performance came at, uh, in that Leicester game. Mm. Um it's kind of a damning indictment on Carl Walker-Peters that um, the lad's been well been fit and back in the squad for the last two games. And Ralph's decided that against West Ham, he'd rather play James Ward-Prowse there. Yep. And against Newcastle, he'd rather put Valerie in, who's, mm. who's played even less football in the last five months than he has. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't want to kind of castigate young players too soon, but... That mistake and the the sort of switching off and just being completely dozy in serious sort of defensive situations 
he's been doing it for for a long time, mm. pretty much as long as he's been in the team. Yeah. So it's it seems as if things aren't getting through and he's not learning. Yeah. And Steve, but just briefly before the goal, there's been a lot of criticism around maybe about the fans over the last sort of 12, 18, 24 months. But I don't think you could say that about some areas yesterday because especially with 10 men I mean the the fans were very much behind the team and it was disappointing to lose but certainly wasn't because of the atmosphere at St Mary's no I actually think the sort of um, perceived injustice in the first half helped that mm. because it was it was kind of a little bit flat in the first probably 20 minutes or so aside from sort of the first couple of minutes when we sort of created pretty much the bulk of our chances really in that opening period um, all of a sudden, once everyone feels that things are conspiring against us, all of a sudden there's this sort of groundswell of um, support. I mean, the only sort of slight negative is that the bulk of it was um, singing about our friends down the road as opposed to getting sort of actually behind the team. But yeah. I think in, in that situation, sort of any noise kind of serves its purpose. Um, I think kind of splitting hairs a little bit to to then whinge about um, exactly which songs are being sung. But yeah, to be honest, it's probably been the best home atmosphere of the season. Um, Although, albeit that's a pretty low bar, I think. (laughs) Um, Look, we love a a stat on here, Lucy. Uh, Of course, the last time that Saints lost both games in a season to Newcastle was... 2004-05, our relegation season. Yes, of course it was. Um, but look, overall, Lucy, um, four defeats in our last five Premier League games as well now. Not ideal timing. No, I think um, four or five games ago, we looked at this run of games and said what a good opportunity it was to pull ourselves out of that relegation kind of threat and mm. make sure that we were safe houses sort of thing. Um, and I think we've got to a point now where we're probably all right, but we've left it much tighter and, and more uncomfortable than we needed to, probably in, in typical Saints style, really. <laughs> um and and it's it's all just a little bit more tight and nervy than it than it really needed to be, mm. given how well we'd played in much tougher circumstances over over the Christmas period. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit of a kind of an opportunity lost, I think. Um, yeah. Obviously, Norwich coming up would be another game you'd think would be a good opportunity as well. But it, it's all become a little bit flat and a little bit disappointing, mm. given how we'd have felt about those games going into them. Um, and I think. There's been kind of several mitigating circumstances, including individual errors, but it's been quite disappointing, really. Yeah. Um, and, and I think they're going to need to sort that out quickly so it doesn't become uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think, as we said before, a couple of weeks back, Lucy, you win a couple of games, the fixtures look quite nice. You lose a couple and suddenly you start looking and thinking, yeah. oh, that's a loss. We'll get a point there. We're going to lose that one. You yeah, know, that sort yeah. of thing as well. So that doesn't help. But uh, yeah. And, and look, Glenn, I mean, the other thing just finally to un- unfortunately finish on a damper maybe, but maybe that reflects the performance. Um, somehow Saints have managed to lose nine of 15 home league games this season, which is uh, some effort, obviously. Um, but, <laughs> it's but, not good. No, it? I mean, but I, I guess the point I was thinking, you know, for, for you guys, I mean, I, you know, for whatever reason, don't have the opportunity to do it now. But for you guys that are paying five, six hundred pound a season ticket at St Mary's, it's not a great return no but you don't think about it like that well some you, people will you, yeah yeah some people do but I, I'm I'm not some people you know I've been I've been going <laughs> <All right, Glenn. laughs> well you know well I've I've been I've been going for donkey's years most of my life so I don't even don't even think about it and you, you try not to let the, the the result ruin a ruin a day out sort of thing and mm. you know I'll be buying a season ticket next year even if we lose every game at home between now and the end of the season but it's not been great at home since 2016 yeah. you know under the Claude season the Pellegrino season the Hughes season apart from a little spell last year when when Ralph initially came in 
it's been pretty slim pickings for the, you know, since, since Koeman left, mm. um, to be honest. And I know it does hurt some people. I know a couple of, um, mates of mine who've got kids who bought their first sort of season ticket for their kids when, um, when Pellegrino was in charge and they're not going anymore. That sort of thing. There is, yeah. there is a knock on effect later on. It's not for old farts like me, but for, for youngsters, you know, and maybe mums and dads who take their kids, they want the kids to be entertained mm. sort mm. of thing. And, and if there's, if there's not much going on on the pitch and, and no result at the end of it, then I, I'm sure some people do drift away. It'll be interesting to see what the club do in the summer, bearing in mind uh, trying to consider raising ticket prices or something like that. There'll be some interesting conversations, I imagine. Yeah, I think they'll they'll struggle to put too much extra uh, extra money on a season ticket sort of thing, but. Um, because they can't really, they can't really say, look, we've scored a hundred goals. You know, what, <laughs> what do you think? I yeah. mean, I, I don't think we're the sort of, um, the sort of fan base and the, the sort of club that are going to swallow any owner doing that sort of thing. Um, especially the owner we've got at the moment, which leads us nicely on to. <laughs> it does indeed. Yeah. Well, at least we've ended that section on a positive that Glenda Lacour is going to, uh, buy a season ticket next year. But yeah, let's move on to talk about G Singal. So yeah, as Glenn mentioned there, in the Sunday Times this weekend, there was a reports that G Singal has put Saints up for sale for around two hundred and fifty million pounds. The report came from Duncan Castles. Steve, obviously it's early days. The Daily Echo have since come out to say that you know they're not aware of uh, it officially being put up for sale. But I imagine any owner that you know owns a football club or a sports club around the world, money talks. So what's your thoughts on it generally? I mean, do you think it's likely? Have you heard anything? Do you think it's much ado about nothing? To be honest, I would imagine that. I mean, we've kind of always been unofficially for sale mm. um, because there was never any talk that the Lieber family were looking to um, looking to cash out at any time. And then all of a sudden, Gal comes along and it's, oh, this is a thing. So I just kind of assume it's it's kind of the same thing in that, I mean, if someone came in and offered him the opportunity to get his money back and, and just bin it off because yeah. he's not been able to uh, sort of progress things, I don't, I mean, Obviously, we never, we never, we've never really had a um, sort of answer as to whether he was ever looking to put his own money in um, before the Chinese government then kind of put a um, put a block on any um, sort of money leaving the country. Mm. Um, but kind of think, well, he's he's kind of always gone business as usual, and it's it's like, well, okay, well, if if it's business as usual, then you might as well get your money back and say, well, okay, I've um, I've done that, and it, it's kind of gone not great but at least i've not lost out yeah sort of cut your losses and just move on yeah lucy you made um some really good points on twitter this morning as you often do um of course we don't know much about g singal other than what ralph kruger told us which is that he loves the hampshire area and is keen to invest in it but you did you did say uh 250 million would allow gal to leave english football at a sum similar to the amount katarina lieber received for 80 percent financial results expected to be considerably less healthy than 28.6 million profit declared last march you then went on to say this seems to leave a cloud of uncertainty over saints fc ahead of a crucial summer in the medium to long-term gal selling is probably positive news but in the short term one can't help but wonder where that leaves things especially recruitment and contract negotiations so some really good points and i don't think anyone will argue with that but obviously just sort of summarizing that for us on the pod um i just think obviously people are hearing this news whether it is you know reality or not um whatever's happened has happened 
and it probably isn't what the fans expected it to be, nor I would expect what Gal thought it would be. You know, we don't know exactly what's happened behind the scenes, but the feeling I get isn't isn't exactly the kind of business plan he, he had when he first took over it, if he had one. And while I can see people's enthusiasm, and as I said, you know, probably in the long term makes sense. We had this issue when the original takeover happened where several people around the club described the club as being in a limbo and, and that affected the summer and the window previous to the takeover because people didn't know what was happening. You, you know, you're meant to kind of keep hold of assets, try and keep things as kind of solidified as possible during those kind of negotiations. And my only concern really was that would we have a similar thing again this summer as we had three years ago and end up with a situation where we, we aren't able to do the business we need to do? We aren't able to be clear with people that might be looking at renewing contracts about where the direction of the club is. Yep. And it, it just makes me wonder if while we might enthuse at the idea of Gal going, is now the best time to do it? Um, and, and is it more of a case and I'm hoping is the case, that they're getting a little bit of a word out now to set some movement in place for further on. Because if it's happening quickly, which these things very, very rarely happen quickly, but if you know what I mean, in the next year or so, you're going to have many, many problems in working out what we do. And the whole narrative has been for the last six months, oh, well, this summer's going to be big. We're going to overhaul the squad. Ralph's going to sign a new contract, blah, 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 blah. And that all gets thrown into out by mm. by all this kind of chat so um yeah lots of people have been discussing who might come in all that kind of thing and i know that gets people excited and people are, are naffed off with the way that the club's been run and i can completely understand that mm-hmm. but i think we need to be careful about when that happens and and how it happens really Okay, the halftime of this week's pod sees five minutes or so of our favourite recent TSP outtakes. I can confirm all those involved have given their permission for it to be included. No offences intended to any nation, city, ex-Saints footballer or washing dryer involved. Enjoy. Right, cool. I don't know if anyone wants a drink just before we do Norwich and Newcastle. We're rattling through this, guys. (coughs) Sorry, I'm just dying to have a cough. Yeah, good on you. Let it out. Um, Hold on, hold on one second. Yeah, yeah. I told you to shut that f- door. Arr. The Americans, it sounded like Norfolk. <laughs> <laughs> I told you to shut that tractor door. Sorry, I didn't want to drive the tractor. Sorry, sorry, Matt, we were just, yeah. What's, what was the matter? I didn't want the dryer to start beeping to tell me to take the load out. <laughs> I told you to shut that f- dryer. <laughs> Honestly, Sorry, I, they've just been trying American accents and we've had kind of. Oh, that's great. I told you, I told you to it's, shut it's that really dryer. <laughs> that was better than Thanks. the first time we've done like, hey, yeah. I told okay. you, to, I told hey, you to shut that, shut that dryer. dryer. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, we've got a whole set of outtakes, so that's good. Right, <laughs> right, let's do Norwich and Newcastle. The best dryer in the whole world. Yeah, man. <laughs> what type of dryer is it? I'm really sorry, Matt. I'm really sorry. Kenmore. It's not in the kitchen, which you guys have seemed to have all the time. I saw somebody's picture. They had that in the kitchen. I was like, what the hell is that doing? Like, Why is that there? But apparently that's how things work in, in big we cities in England. We have as much space as you guys, though, you see. We yeah. have to cram everything in. you got like a yeah. massive utility room. Yeah, we, we, we have a separate room. Oh, that's very posh. Yeah. Very posh. And yeah, we don't often get that. Ben has a separate house because he's <laughs> cheap in Scotland. <laughs> yeah. Find out some more about Norwich.
now I know all those facts. Booked on those facts, yeah. The one I never got to is that they have the second highest spire in the whole of the UK, 315 foot, second only to Salisbury. Ah. Yeah, so there you go. But don't, they have the high, don't they have the highest levels of incest in the whole country? Or something? <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that was Portsmouth. <laughs> Part of the Isle of Wight. It's the Alabama. Of, <laughs> the uh, Alabama. I, yeah. Yeah. I have only ever got in a fight in a pub once in my entire life, and that, that was in never. Norwich, of all places. There was some argument over who stays on on the pool table. <laughs> it suddenly turned into the Wild West, and I didn't know what was going on. And that was in bloody oh, Norwich. Why so didn't, Why didn't yeah. you tell the story during the pod? Such a bizarre story. Can you cut well, it in? That's, that's why you didn't want to answer facts about Norwich. You didn't want yeah. anything to do with it. Well, because he was worried that Glendalecore's arrest might come up on the facts. <laughs> there's still wanted posters on lampposts in the whole of Norwich. Just your face holding, yes. a, holding a pool cue aggressively. Honestly. Oh, well, I mean, you know, this is, the outtakes, but this, this guy in his best Norwich accent said something like, I won last game, so I get to win against you now. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, what's going on? They do actually uh, be like that. It's not even do. an exaggeration. Honestly, I was about 21 at the time, and yeah, it was just madness. But um, there you go. Right, you sound like you're in a flap, Glenn. Relax. Uh, I'm a little bit. Yeah, what Hang did on. you have for your dinner? <laughs> what did you have for your dinner? I, d- I don't know. It was chicken-related. Chicken-related? <laughs> yeah. Just it raw chicken. Might have been one of these chlor- Yeah, I might have got mixed up with the dogs actually because they eat raw food. So uh, my mind is fine. Well, it's good as okay. it's ever anyway. <laughs> I just think you miss so much from the centre of midfield when really? Warprouse isn't there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think that was evident last night. And I think. Oh, sorry, I'm not meant to say last night, am I? Well, that's right. Yeah, I'll edit it out. <laughs> so last week, last I week. I think that was evident last week. And, yes, I think any kind of long-term injury would have looked pretty... But, Lucy, I mean, one of the things we do like about Burnley is Jay Rodriguez, um, a player, of course, who, you know, did really, really well at Saints and uh, sadly got that injury, but... Let's be, you know, kind towards him. It's great to see him back on the uh, the sort of Premier League circuit, so to speak. And I think seven goals in all competitions this season. Fingers crossed he won't get any at St Mary's, but you know, a really good lad that we obviously want to see doing well. Yeah, he's he's one of the he's one of the nice guys, isn't he? And um, was yeah, that my I, question? yeah, it was. But don't worry. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Crack on, Glenn. Crack I'll get on. I'll get <laughs> no, no, you after it. I've had enough anyway. Yeah, you didn't even listen to me last time anyway. Carry <laughs> <laughs> on. Lucy, I don't give a shit. J-Rod, lovely hair. That's an outtake. Lovely hair. I think we're all on the uh, same view. Glenn, you're a big fan of J-Rodriguez as well. I always found him slightly frustrating, um, I have to say, when he played for us. But he's... Let me rephrase the question. (laughs) What? I'll just rephrase the question. Glenn, you're not a massive fan of J-Rodriguez, then. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping your answer was going to be yes. Oh, <laughs> I'm having a shocker tonight. No, it's me. It's me. That, that one was me. So uh... He was a very different player after the injury, wasn't yeah, he? And exactly. I think that's what's difficult to look back at his career um, and see him. It's almost like watching two different players. He's yeah, I know, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to say now. Yeah, go for it, go for it. <laughs> okay. Go on. If we could make that point, though, because that was a good point from me. So if we could just edit that in, that's brilliant. Thanks, yeah, no, Gary. <laughs> it. And Glenn, you were a big fan of Jay Rodriguez during his time at Saints as well. In his season before he got injured, mm. all the season that he got injured at the end of, he was brilliant. Mm. He, he had a fantastic season. It took him a while to get up and running. 
Little Saints Podcast. Little Saints Podcast. Sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. A big TSP shout out to all the pool halls in Norwich. Glenn, Norwich away, you going? <laughs> no, I'm uh, as you as you said. Not before, for another that, fight. <laughs> I've still got wanted posters up on lampposts in Norwich, I think. But I get to one against you. Oh, you, absolutely, yeah. With a pool cue wrapped around your head. Um, no, um, no, I'm not going to Norwich. Um, but the game itself, I mean, it's obviously going to be tricky for Saints now. Yeah, it is. But I, I think it's a, it's one of those teams like Aston Villa that they're fairly open. So I think they're they're an opposition that that should suit us. To quote Adam Leach, this is an absolute must win for them. <laughs> you know, they will be looking at us thinking Saints have lost five out of six or whatever it is. Yeah. They have to beat us, otherwise, you know, they're probably going to go down anyway. But this probably is an almost the last chance saloon for them. Um, I don't know what games they've got left, but uh, this will be one that they'll certainly be targeting. Mm. And and that should suit us, um, as long as we can keep 11 players on the pitch. They play decent football. They're defensively naive. They strike me as quite a soft team. Mm. Um, you, you can rough them up, which is what we did at St Mary's. I mean, we kicked Campwell all over the pitch, and we sort of identified him as a player that we needed to stop, and and, and we did. Um, so I'm I'm quite optimistic that we that we can do something there as long as we can sort of shake off the malaise that we seem to have been in the last uh, three or four weeks. Yeah, Steve, I saw a tweet um, the other day once they'd beaten Leicester that said Norwich must be the best bottom of the Premier League team ever. Do you agree with that, or do you think that's a bit crazy? I can see where they're coming from, um, but I mean, there's there's been other um, crap teams who have been who have played entertaining football, Blackpool, yeah, sides like that. So it's uh, I mean, it's damn, damning someone with faint praise, isn't it? Um, well done, you're the uh, you're the best you're the worst. best rub, best rubbish person. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> like yeah. like non-competitive sports day, everyone gets a medal. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and in not well, I suppose in Norwich's cases, it's it's a hundred million quid, but. Um, They've bloodied a few noses at home, mm. but yeah, I mean they're bottom for a reason. Mm. And this is in the Premier League, where even the team that's top of the table don't look outstanding. Mm. It's been it's been such a strange season that genuinely anybody can beat anybody. And you, and I mean I know like the cliche is oh Premier Premier League's best league in the world because anyone can beat anyone. Mm. On most given Saturdays, that's not true. Yeah. Um, but this season it kind of has been. But that's not because the rubbish teams are good it's because the good teams are average mm. i mean norwich have still got an opportunity to stay up but i mean real realistically they've they've left themselves a hell of a lot to do and they're going to have to start well they're they're going to have to start on saturday and that means they're going to probably leave the back door open for us yeah. um so similar to villa um yeah. although i mean i mean villa never really got out of got out their own um, penalty area for the vast majority of it but mm. you would expect norwich to be a little bit more attack minded Lucy, their home form recently shows one defeat in their last five Premier League games at Carrow and that was to Liverpool, so two wins and two draws. Um, of course, they also beat our FA Cup Conquerors Spurs last week on penalties to reach the quarterfinals, but did lose it to Sheffield United and ex-St. Billy Sharp this weekend. So overall, probably not a great time to be getting them because they are in some fairly decent form. They're in better form than they've been in quite a while, I, I suppose. I think the judgment on them has to be tempered with the fact that Unlike Villa and clubs of their ilk, they haven't spent a huge amount of money. They've spent very little money, actually. Um, and I think what they've tried to do, in being quite open about the fact they think they'll be relegated, mm. um, but use the money to regenerate the club and build for the future, I think similarly to how Burnley did the first time they came up, I think there's something admirable in that. And I think they were quite realistic about what they thought they could do in this league. And that, and that wasn't necessarily 
staying here for the long haul. Mm. Um, and I do think I kind of agree with Steve a little bit. They they play really nice football, but they don't really have. If Pookie isn't on it, generally struggle and Ca- yeah. and Campwell being another outlet. They've also had the controversy of Buendia, who I think is probably one of their best players, not always playing, and and there's been some controversy between him and Farker. So. That's been another thread to it. Um, so, yes, not the best time to be playing them, but I I do agree that we've probably got enough to to win if we don't play like we've played recently, mm. <laughs> which it seems to be a bit of a large caveat because, you know, I think if we played like we did four or five weeks ago, that game looks quite simple. Um, mm. <laughs> play like we have in the last two or three weeks and um, not so much, yeah. um, I think they do play nice football and if you don't organize yourself properly that they'll they will play f- through you i think yeah um the only issue is that i don't think they've looked good at center back all season um i think any team that has to play grant hanley on a regular <laughs> basis is in real trouble <laughs> he looks as fat and as overweight as me he really does <laughs> i think you're doing yourself a disservice there glenn i've seen you you're not as fat and overweight as he looks but uh, there we go but yeah well done lucy for saying Farkar as well and not anything else but uh, look um Glenn, obviously we're going to be without Musa Gineppo, as we alluded to earlier. Um, he's going to be banned. Um, not necessarily ideal when Nathan Redmond's probably likely to still be out and Buffel isn't offering much. So Ralph has definitely got some decisions to make for that game. We would assume Stuart Armstrong will be back from concussion. Yeah, Stuart Armstrong will be back after that assault from uh, Cresswell that <laughs> somehow didn't even get him booked. You're still fuming about that, right? I, so, am. Yeah. I am. I'm, I I'm more I angry be. about the decision we let him play on, really. Yeah, yeah no yeah. agreed, yeah. Yeah, there's been a couple of articles about that this week mm. about the, the I think symptoms. Carla put a good one out, hasn't he? Yeah, 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 not not showing themselves until the till the next day. So, mm. but that, I mean, that's a whole other issue. But hopefully, Armstrong will be back. Um, Buffal will, by the look of it, get given another chance mm. um, to play on his preferred left side. So, uh, hopefully, he can do something. I mean, we haven't really got a lot of other choice. Um, mm. You know, we've got to find two two wingers from somewhere so it's going to be those two with Gennepo and Redmond not available um, there'll be the question mark over right back of course um, yep. you know Valerie's never really looked convincing in a flat back four such as it is um, he's, he, he had his good games when he was being used as a wing back and he had a you know usually Jack Stevens playing directly behind him but mm. it's so I would expect Walker Peters to come in um, other than that I think the side will be uh, as you were on um, as you were on Saturday yeah, Steve. Do you think just briefly um, the pressure's back on Ralph again now as well? Because obviously he's been under the the spotlight. There's been a lot of chat as they have with previous managers around just having a plan A and not necessarily uh, impacting the games like we'd want. Um, bearing in mind the results the way they're going at the moment, of course, as fans we get on managers and players' backs as quickly as we can these days. But do you think the pressure's back on him, or do you think he's you know he needs to sort of forget about that and just focus on getting results? I think yeah, just focus focus on what's coming up. I think. We can leave contract talks till the summer if we have to. It's mm. not a pressing issue. He's got another um, another year, I, th- I believe. Um, right, a year from December, yeah. So, yeah, I don't think he's under any great pressure at the moment. I mean, let's face it, he was the press would were, would have you believe that he was under pressure after after the Leicester game, and yet nothing happened. So, I think one 0 defeat to Newcastle and a couple of other iffy results isn't. Um, isn't going to suddenly put him on the chopping block or something yeah, on the exactly, yeah, yeah. In, in, in any sort of real danger to be honest yeah. um so yeah i think kind of put that one to bed i suspect yeah 
Alright, well let's do some predictions uh, Obviously it didn't go very well this weekend uh, I predicted a draw, you guys predicted uh, Wins for Saints, as I mentioned before Whenever I predict one all, uh, Saints lose So I'm going to start this week because uh, Jackie Martin Who I know is a regular listener Has uh, given me a good Twitter grilling by saying uh, Ben, why did you predict Saints would draw? Stick with the original plan of always predicting a Saints loss Next time please uh, So I'm going to follow suit Jackie uh, I'm obviously going to take that pressure because that absolutely told me And I'm going to say that Norwich are going to win 2-0 Lucy, let's come to you, give you a chance for um, I'm going to go for a narrow, narrow two-one win to Saints. Yeah. Um, I think we should have enough, and I, th- I am hoping that the last string of results is enough to wake people from their stupor and realise that if they don't sort themselves out, they'll be in trouble. Mm. Um, so, oh yes, I think Norwich are flimsy enough at the back that we should be able to win. Good. All right, that's a good start. Much better than me, obviously. Um, Steve, let's come to you. Um, yeah, I, th- I think to be honest, I'm inclined to agree. I think I'll, I think I'll go for two-one as well. I don't think we've quite got the um, the goals in us at the moment. Um, we just look we look a little bit little bit sluggish up front at the moment. We don't quite have enough variety, so I don't think sort of a more comfortable victory is is looking particularly likely. But I think we will win. Good. I'm so grateful you guys are on the pod. It would be so depressing if it was just me predicting it every week. But uh, there we go. Um, Glenn, how are you feeling about it? 4-0 to Norwich. No. Um, <laughs> I, I will go 1-0. You're only saying that to try and get them back on side. Absolutely. 1-0 to Saints. 1-0 to Saints. Brilliant. I love predicting clean sheets. It's hilarious. I don't know why I do it, but um, <laughs> there you go. Well, that's the end of this week's podcast. Thanks very much for listening, if indeed you still are. Big up, as always, to Steve, Lucy and Glenn. Big up also to America, Norwich, Jay Rodriguez and all kitchen appliances. Sorry, utility room appliances. We'll be back post-Norwich. Let's hope that it's a bit better than it's been this week. Until then, keep marching in. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops, if we're stopping to get gas. 
You will be timed. <laughs> you will be right Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, but you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com this podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.